Hello, and welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different cities, are at three different life stages, and have three different perspectives. They are excited to learn and grow alongside of you. This is a space full of love and acceptance, no judgment, because let's face it, we all sleep in our makeup. Please welcome Lauren, Megan, and Kristen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week of the podcast. This week, we do have a guest on, and we are excited for you to get to know her. Her name is Amy Ford. She is the president of Embrace Grace, a nonprofit that inspires and equips the church to love on single and pregnant women and their families. Embrace Grace is utilized by over 700 churches across the nation and the world. Serving in Embrace Grace, she has countless stories of how churches, pregnancy centers, and the body of Christ have come together to impact communities in such a beautiful way. She brings a fresh perspective of how one life can make a difference by stepping out of our comfort zones and just loving people, which I love to hear all about the love here and all about learning. So we love getting all different sorts of perspectives on our podcast, and we hope you do too. And we hope you enjoy meeting Amy. Hey, sisters. Hi. Hey. Yay. Well, welcome to another week. We're super excited to have Amy Ford on with us. Welcome, Amy. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yes. Thank you for doing this with us. Uh, Well, we'd love to just jump right in and get to know you. So I know you live in Arlington, Texas. How did you get started? Where are you from originally? And how did you get to where you started Embrace Grace? Well, I've always grown up in Texas, kind of Fort Worth, Arlington area. Really, it's tied to my story. I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19 and I grew up in a Christian home had an amazing family and I went to a Christian private school, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. Uh And I ended up finding myself pregnant and knowing abortion was wrong when I was growing up in that moment, it became kind of a real option for me because I was just so freaking out. The enemy lies to you and tells you, you know, the worst case scenarios that can happen. I would think stuff like, yeah, parents are going to hate me forever and I'm going to be the black sheep of the family and we're going to be homeless and all kinds of things. Um, and you make fear makes you do crazy things. And so we had thought me and the father of the baby, we thought let's just have an abortion and we'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. But we just, this seemed and felt like a quick fix yeah. to crisis. And so <clears throat> we went to the abortion clinic and when they were explaining to me, we had already paid for it and everything. And when they were explaining to me how they do it, I ended up actually hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. When I came to, the nurses were fanning me, trying to give me a drink of water. And they just said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting an abortion. And so we just decided, went back out in the waiting room. You know, my father, the father of the baby was out there and we kind of looked at each other. You could see my face was swollen from crying so hard. And we just decided in that moment, okay, like if we're going to be homeless, if we're going, you know, all of this horrible stuff we thought, then we'll just figure it out together. And we decided to choose life. So we ended up telling our parents it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. They definitely were disappointed in the timing, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. And we ended up getting married because we were high school sweethearts and knew that we wanted to someday. And we had asked the man that had led my husband to the Lord years before, we asked him if he would marry us. And he said, no, um, I'm sorry, I can't bless this marriage because you've sinned. And so I will not 
you know, facilitate the wedding. And we were like, oh my goodness, like we're such horrible people. We can't even get married right. And we got married and we tried, we found someone else that would marry us, but it was definitely like a scarlet letter on your wedding day, you know, and just worried about what other people were thinking and, and all of that, just a lot of shame. And we tried to go back to church after that, but it was like the elephant in the room and people don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. So they don't say anything. And we just feel alone in a crowd of people. So yeah. We just stopped going. And I'm super extrovert. I have a lot of friends. So it's really obvious when people are kind of distancing themselves. And I know, you know, it, it really wasn't that they didn't like me anymore. It's just they didn't know how to talk to me in that situation. And so we just kind of felt alone. And so we stopped going for a while. We ended up having a son who is just totally amazing. And we can't imagine our life without him. His name is Jess and Aww. he's 22. He actually just got married this past summer and he already graduated college from Oral Roberts University and majored in theology with uh, a focus on evangelism and he just has a heart for the Lord he wants to be a pastor and that's awesome uh, but one thing that's cool is that pastor that wouldn't marry us two years later he called us out of the blue and he said that he felt like he called my husband and he said he felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history. And he asked for forgiveness. And my husband was like, yes, of course. Like my husband loves this guy. He's a pastor in Austin and we're in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So we don't get to see him as much as we would love, but they still talk on the phone all the time. And they're still just great friends. And, and whenever my son was 16 years old, that pastor in Austin asked us to come, asked me to come speak at his church about pro love. It was mother's day. And he was very open with his congregation before we had even gotten there about what he had done years ago. He said that he had a religious spirit and a Pharisee heart. And, um, and this is what I did, but yet this is the ministry that has happened, you know, called embrace grace. And, and so he was very open with them. And then after I spoke, he asked me to come back on the platform and he asked my son, Jess as well, 16 years old to come on the platform. And he said, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, will you forgive me for what I did years ago? And I was like, yes, of course. Like that was 16 years ago. I forgave you a long time ago. We love you so much, you know, all that. And well, then he looked at my son, 16 years old in front of the whole church. And he said, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16 in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful Aww. moment in that. Like, I'm crying. Could, <laughs> I know I have like tears. Yeah, yeah. That you could feel church wounds being lifted in that room. Like people were just so amazed and awe that a pastor would humble himself in that way and be so vulnerable to ask for forgiveness in front of everyone when in some churches, you know, especially in smaller towns are still making girls, you know, stand up in front of the whole congregation and confess their sin of, of having an unplanned pregnancy when a pregnancy isn't actually a sin, you know, there's, but yet it's like, why not that the pastor ate too much of the buffet or whatever? Like, why is it just that sin that is highlighted? Yeah. Um, is actually fueling the abortion rate. And so going through all of that really made me realize the power that the church has and like, what would it have looked like knowing that I had grown up in church and went to church my entire life? What would it have looked like if I, when I was in that moment of panic and terror and crisis of trying to freak out and not sure what to do, like what would it have been like for me to think, I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. Maybe I should call my church that I go to and ask for 
wisdom, for prayer, for guidance, for support. Like I, that was the last place I wanted to call Mm -hmm. and it never even crossed my mind. And so that's really where how Embrace Grace was birthed was just seeing the power the church has when we can make abortion unthinkable by helping empower all of these women to be able to choose life and make a life decision and help them and not kick them when they're down, but like pick them up, pick each other up when we fall and say, we're in this with you, that you don't have to walk this alone and that we're a family. And it's not even just about the pregnancy, but it's about your whole life. If you'll let us, because that's what a spiritual family is. We walk together forever, you know, if, if they'll allow it. And so we've seen so many lives saved and changed through the Embrace Grace program that's in almost 700 churches, 47 states and 10 countries that have embraced grace, discipleship groups in churches and support groups. And so we welcome these girls in, we give them baby showers, we love on them and just help them get back on their feet and and just encouragement. And it just, you can see, we have front row seats to miracles. You can see the transformation before our very eyes of how when people are speaking life into someone and encouraging them how they feel empowered to be the mom that God created them to be, whether they choose to place their baby for adoption or parent, that they know that they can do it when they have someone saying you can and and that they have people speaking words of life into them. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing your personal story. And like Megan said, we were tearing up with about your son, Jess, and how cool as a mama to just be able to be a witness to Jess's, his own story and what he's decided to just lean into for his own life and career. That's, it just came full circle. And that's so cool as a mom. We're so proud. And he, when he turned 13, my first book came out and it was about my story and everything is called a bump in life and and about it's my story plus 19 other moms stories it's an outreach tool and so i was going to be on james robinson and focus on the family and i had never told just a story and again he's 13 and that's such a like pivotal mm-hmm. age when they're trying to figure out who they are and why they're here and you know all of that middle school and so i had all my friends praying because i was terrified that you know i'm going to tell him and he's going to feel rejection and think that we didn't want him when we did want him we just were dumb kids you know we didn't know what we wanted and so we took him to the cheesecake factory which i actually have four kids now me and my husband have been married 23 years so and he's you know jess of course is the oldest so it's kind of odd to take one kid to dinner you know and Mm -hmm. leave the other ones with the babysitter so he was like what is going on But we just, so I had all my friends praying and I told him a story and I was like, how does this make you feel? You know, so just needed to know what his response was going to be. And he was like, just typical eighth grade boy, you know, he's like, I don't know. I don't know how it makes me feel, you know? So he needed time to process, but he did struggle for a few months and I didn't really understand the the full amount of it until a couple years later when he really became more vocal about it. But he really struggled with why am I here? And the enemy was lying to him saying that you were never wanted and you were never supposed to be born and mm. just all kinds of crazy things. Yeah. And one day when he, and he was still going to youth group, group and stuff, we go to Gateway Church in Texas and someone had, uh, one of the youth pastors asked him and when he was 13, maybe he was 14, they said, will you come up and we want to ask you to speak for five minutes on how you're an overcomer. And so he kind of prayed about it for a while and he came in my room, you know, the night before he was supposed to do this. And he's like, mom, how does this sound? And he said, mom, he said, I was an overcomer before I was ever even born and that Satan had a plan to take me out, but I'm here and I'm going to use my story to change the world. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, wow. I just got chills. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> like for him to just get it. And I think ever since then, you know, that those one word from the Lord can do what years of therapy can ever do. And mm. 
I think that was like, it was just God spoke into his heart. He kind of just had this realization of like, I am here for a purpose and I am here for a reason. And I mean, he's just amazing and on fire for God. And I know his story is tied to his purpose as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so many people ask me, should I tell my son or my daughter my story? Or maybe they've had an abortion in their past and they want to tell they have, they feel like they want to tell maybe their other children, but they struggle. And, mm-hmm. you know, what we bring into the light is what God can heal. And what we keep in the darkness is what Satan will just keep tormenting us with, you know, and, and just did kind of struggle for a few months, but ultimately he realized it was part of his story as well. And that God does promise to turn all things for good for those that love him yes. and he does love him. And so it's really cool to see that happen in him that he, it really fueled his passion of why he's here. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I know we kind of touched on this before we started recording, but we feel just a personal connection to embrace Grace's purpose. Our mom ran a maternity home for many years when we were growing up. And so we were able to witness when you talk about just the support from the church and how we got to witness with our own eyes, you know, a lot of these women's in their home were homeless, but And some of them had never even heard the words, I love you in their life. And for strangers to come together and rally for them and support them, just to see the effect that that had on these women is so powerful. And so I would just love what you guys are doing. And so you talked about in your own story, just feeling the shame. And I can imagine that there is just a lot of that. That's a common thread. When you talk about kind of shame culture and how it affects unwed mothers and women who have had abortions. Can you tell us what this means for the church and how, how can we help to make a change? Well, the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. There's no difference. And so there's, these women are sitting in our pews and they've either, either are pregnant and not sure what to do and are susceptible to an abortion, or they have had an abortion in their past and one in four women and men have had an abortion in their past. And so, and again, same inside the church as it is outside. So they're sitting in our pews and they don't feel like they can talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I spoke at a gateway conference and it was one of their, it was called Pink Impact. It was a women's conference. And it was at this big Fort Worth convention center, 10,000 people had registered to attend women. And so they did an interview with me about Embrace Grace and all this. And then Pastor Debbie Morris was like, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And at the very end, I just felt like a prompting in my heart to say something. One more thing. I said, Debbie, can I say one more thing? And she was like, sure. I said, if there's 10,000 women in this arena, then that means 2,500 of you at least have experienced an abortion and that God wants you to know that he loves you so much and he wants to heal your heart. Even this weekend at this big women's conference, he wants to heal your heart and that you're not disqualified from ministry, that you are qualified because he qualifies you and he, he wants to forgive you. He wants to heal you and that you just have to ask and that he's just right there, you know, waiting for you. And that Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So go and share your story with someone. That's how, how we continue to heal. That was it. You know, thank you so much, blah, 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 left. Well, after that, I we got back to our booth. We had two booths because it was such a huge arena. And our booths were completely inundated after that session with women coming to our booth. They had, a lot of them had mascara, you know, smeared under their eyes. And some would talk about it. Some just kind of gave us that look like, you know, I'm here because 
something you said really connected with something I'm struggling with or going through. But I remember specifically, there were three women that came up to me and they were all wearing matching t-shirts. They were sisters. And it was like a fun, you know, girls conference weekend. So they had matching t-shirts made. And, but the one in the middle of the three girls, they were like holding her up. Like she could barely, you know, kind of walk. She just kept had her, had her face in her hands and she was crying really hard. And one of the sisters said, you know, what you said really touched her. And she asked to come see you and she's trying to collect her emotions. You know, she wants to talk to you. But I remember she finally, you know, after she kind of wiped her face and kind of composed herself, she looked at me and I will never forget the look on her face. And she said, do you mean to tell me that God can use me? And it was like a moment that must not have ever dawned on her, like that she could be used by God because of her past abortion. And I, I will never forget her face. And I meet, I speak a lot and tell my story a lot, which always opens the door after I speak at events and stuff. So many people come up to me and, you know, that's part of my story. Or if I would have had an embrace grace support group, my life would look a lot different. And the whisper in my ear, you know, I've had an abortion and, and it's kind of still this thing where it's like that people can't talk about it. It's always a whisper and, yeah. and things And I just feel like if we can be more bold, like even creating a Me Too movement with abortion about the trauma and how hard it is and that you never forget, you know, when your baby would have been due or how old your baby would be, that it's something that is carried, you know, obviously God heals, but it's still hard. And so if we were more vocal, I believe we could create a revival in our churches. If at least 25% of our members of our churches have had an abortion and most of them don't feel comfortable talking about it. And they're just feeling like they're inhibited and can't fully serve. I hear so many women that maybe want to lead Embrace Grace and have an abortion in their past. And I'm just like, well, how can I, isn't it hypocritical for me to like encourage someone to choose life when I didn't? I'm like, well, do you wish that you would have chose life? Yes. Well, then be, you know, let's be the change that we want to see in the world and that people want to know. They want to hear your real story and you're not, um, you don't disqualify yourself, you know, because of your story. And so We encourage anyone, especially anyone that's listening right now, to get connected to an abortion healing group. Even if your abortion was 30 years ago, it doesn't matter. There's so many great abortion healing groups. I know that I have them at our church at almost every campus. Plus, there's a lot of different pregnancy centers in your area. You can go to supportafterabortion.com, and that's kind of like a directory of all the abortion healing types of programs that are out there. There's some, if you want to do like a retreat with women, which those are amazing weekend retreat, or maybe it's a a group at your church, or maybe you're like, I don't want to be around no one (laughs) talking about this. That's okay too. There's classes you can watch from the comfort of your own home. And then some are Christian, some are not, you know, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with, at least start that process. And then after that, be the change you wish you want to see in the world, be who you wish you had years ago when you made that abortion decision. What, what did you need at that time to empower you to choose life and then get plugged in in that way and be the change? Because we can make abortion unthinkable by just all of us sharing our stories and then being the hands and feet of Jesus. I always say pro-life is a stance, but pro-love is an action. And it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so if we're showing the love of God, that is what inspires people and know, and people think, okay, there's so much support that's out there. Maybe I don't have to feel like I need to have an abortion. Wow. Thank you for all of this information. And I'd love to dive into and like tell our listeners exactly what Embrace Grace does. I I just think all the different things that you're doing across all churches is so interesting. So I'd love to have you kind of explain that. Yes. So 
Embrace Grace is so amazing. And it is small groups for churches to have. And they invite these girls in. And it's 12 weeks, digital curriculum. You just press play. And so that kind of takes like the heaviness of, oh, I have to prepare a lesson or no, you don't. You just press play. And then you love on them. They start opening up. Like they're just so amazing. So the most common things I hear from pastors are like, oh, we don't have pregnant people in our church. Well, you do. You do have pregnant people in your church. And word of mouth is huge. You know, when people, when you just tell people in your church that I'm going to lead this group, you know, you'll hear stuff like, oh, my hairdresser's daughter's pregnant or, you know, it's just all kind of starts coming together. Yeah. But also say your church is like all 80 year olds and it's like, a church of 20 people or something, and you really don't have pregnant people in your church. Well, look at this as an outreach. It's just like if you're going to go feed the poor or anything like that, like this is reaching out to broken and hurting people that need hope and go reach out and find them. And that is the biggest way is through local pregnancy centers in your area that are giving free sonograms, free pregnancy tests, free counseling, and helping girls, telling them about all their options. They, they don't do abortions, but the, they will talk about what an abortion is and talk about the truth behind the trauma that, that can happen with it. Mm-hmm. And they help give them resources that are in community. Do they need a car? Do they need housing? Do they need food? You know, they know about all the resources that are out there. And so they help get this girl back on her feet and, and empower her. That's what I feel like feminism is. Feminism, feminism is you can have your baby and your dreams too. Yes, it might be hard. Yeah. It may take a little bit longer, but you're strong. And with God, you can do all things. Like that's women empowerment. We have these groups and embracegrace.com. You can go on there and you can click start a group, fill out the information. And once you hit submit, an email gets sent to you and it's like a sample chapter of the program and how to find the girls and all of that. And the program is definitely around identity, value, and worth. Wow, we've been doing this now 24 semesters. And when we first started, we didn't have curriculum, you know, we Googled single and pregnant curriculum. There's, there was no such thing and so <laughs> we ended up creating it, but we still took many years before we actually wrote it because we wanted to see what did these girls need? What is the common thread with all of these girls? And we came to the conclusion that knowing their identity and value and worth is like key. Like they, so many of them are with these guys that play video games and smoke weed all day and like don't even have jobs or anything. And they just settle because they don't know their worth. They don't know that they are priceless, that God created them for an amazing purpose. And once they start getting that, like not just in their head, but like really getting it in their heart, that's when all the things they shouldn't be doing becomes things they don't want to do anymore. The program is not about behavior modification. It's about a heart transformation. And that's what we feel like church is, is what church is supposed to be in the, anyways, you know, and I invite so many girls to church and it's funny because I, I don't know why, why or how it's totally God thing, but like, I have a good radar for, finding these girls, you know, that have a little belly and I have a way to start the conversation to make sure that it yeah. is, you know, actually pregnant, not just they eat too much, you know, chips and queso. <laughs> I have gotten myself in trouble in that. I've invited so many girls to church and they always are like, wait, I don't like I'm pregnant and you want me to go to church. And they kind of feel like there's someone that's going to jump out, you know, behind a door or who knows. And when I finally get them to actually show up for the first time, they still are like, very unsure. And the baby shower kind of is a, a great incentive to just make them want to just get it over with and try it. Yeah. But they're always blown away. We're very strategic with the first class that all of the leaders are share their story 
so all of the leaders that are in there, it doesn't matter who they are, what kind, they don't even have to have necessarily an unplanned story, but they all have some kind of a story of God's grace and mercy and what he did in their life. And so we do that the first class and all of a sudden they came in with kind of these walls up of like, I don't know what's about to happen, but I just really need to free stuff. And so I'm bracing myself. And then all of a sudden their walls start coming down because they're like, oh, well, if that's that lady's story, that's way worse than my story. And if God did that for her, then maybe God will do that for me too. And they start realizing it's a safe place and they feel God's love and his kindness and, and all of that. And, and then all the healing starts happening and their barrier starts being broken that they built around their heart because of past hurts and pain. And it's really definitely a freedom ministry. I mean, we're getting to the root of some maybe past hurt pain that was, you know, or lies they believed about themselves or words that have been spoken over them that were not from God, but yet they took hold and and took root in their heart and then it affected their actions, you know, now, like we're not, like I said, we're not like, like trying to put a Band-Aid or change their their way of their decisions. It's more of like, let's get to the root and to the heart of things because that's going to affect way more, you know? And so it's definitely healing freedom, awesome class. And you don't have to have an unplanned story to lead. Just do it. And even you may even be more of like an activator where you're like, I don't know if my church has this, but I want to help get it started and maybe someone else can lead it. That's okay too. And if you're not really sure, you can go to embracegrace.com and right on the homepage at the very top, there's a zip code finder. You put in your zip code and all of the churches in your area pop up and it has the leader's information, phone number, website, the night of the week that the Embrace Grace class might be meeting. And you can see and connect with that leader directly, or um, you can see if there's a group, if there's not one at your church and you want to start it, we can help you get started. We also have Embrace Life, which is for young single moms. If you're more of like, like to teach about practical things like parenting, purity, dating, dreams and goals, time management, financial stewardship, things like that. It's still digital curriculum. So it's super easy. So we've got that too. Plus we just launched this last week, Embrace Legacy, which is for young single dads. And we are super excited about this. And it's starting to, we're starting to do a lot of promoting for it. And so even if you're um, a guy and you want to kind of mentor some young single dads, like this is a great way is to start an Embrace Legacy group at your church and and walk alongside these men. We need more dads in the world for sure. And so it's an amazing program as well. It's all at embracegrace.com or you can go to embracelegacy.com specifically for Embrace Legacy. Wow. That's awesome. That is so cool. I was thinking about the dads in the picture, you know, and where do they fall into this? And so that's so cool because I haven't ever heard that before. So what type of support, I guess, once the they have the baby, what type of support do y'all af- offer ongoing from there? Well, so we have Embrace Life, which is for young single moms that I just mentioned. Uh-huh. But all during the course of them kind of sticking their toe in the water as far as trying church and mm-hmm. what does this look like? We are very, we train all our leaders to like invite them to come on the weekends, invite them to, you know, I'll pick you up and I'm going to, you know, take you and you can sit with me or come find me. I'll be on the fifth row, you know, whatever it is, but trying to get them and their mental things, you know, they, I always hear them say, well, I thought you were going to tell me I was going to hell. I thought you're going to tell me I screwed up my life. And I thought you're going to tell me 
what a piece of crap I am. Like, that's what they think church is, which is terrible. Like we're known more for what we're against than what we're for. Mm -hmm. And so we want to change that, but they have to like feel safe first. And so we can, we're very vigilant and training our leaders to like keep inviting them. Mm -hmm. And once they start getting into the routine of actually going and raising their kids in the church, I mean, we want to pass them off once they finish Embrace Life, which is, that's 22 weeks. So it's a, a whole year um, after they have their baby, then it's like, what, what does the church offer? So like at my church, we have single parent family ministries. And so we're getting them connected into that so that they can be involved in the single parent family or come back and lead, you know, whatever it might look like, or maybe the group, the church is smaller and there's not a single parent family ministry, but maybe there's a small group for young moms, you know, that maybe some are married and some are not, but just whatever it might look like to keep them connected to community within that church. And obviously coming on the weekend, but even more so being a part along the way. I was just talking to one of our alumni from 10 years ago that she did Embrace Grace 10 years ago. And she has the craziest story and it's super long. But one thing that really stood out to me is she said after she did Embrace Grace and then Embrace Life, she started to get connected to the single parent family ministry. She said, I started going to Mending the Soul, which is like a super inner deep healing ministry that a lot of churches have all over the nation. And, you know, it's always a waiting list to get into it, but it's like, it's like counseling on steroids. Like it's so good. Wow. And had been trafficked as a, as a young teen. So she uh-huh. definitely needed the healing. And then she said the church donated a car to her that she had, she got a car, a Volkswagen Passat with over 200,000 miles on it, but it was her first mm-hmm. asset. And it was something that she could use to go to school and then she, they helped her pay her tuition, plus paid $1,500 a month for her to go toward a regular bill so that she could focus solely on raising her son and going to school and like doing as many classes as possible. Wow. And so that totally put her through school. She, uh, The church um, knew someone that was a pro bono attorney because she had been trafficked. She had a lot of court things. And so the church, it wasn't necessarily the church gave it to her. It was just a per, an attorney at the church that was like, I want to donate mm-hmm. my services. And Anyways, she has the craziest story. She ended up, she had a felony because of, of being trafficked and being like with a pimp for so long. And she ended up getting Aww. a presidential pardon just a couple, right before Trump was done in office, he gave her a presidential pardon, which we were just like so blown away by. Wow. But she, we were reflecting on her whole story and what stood out to me, it was like, I wonder if the guy that gave the car with 200,000 miles on it, like, I wonder if he knew that he had a part in changing the world. Right. Or the person that bought her baby shower gifts at the Embrace Grace baby shower or the teacher that led Mending the Soul, you know, all the, the pro bono attorney. It wasn't one specific person that made a difference in her life. It was a community of believers. It was a spiritual family that like helped her for the past 10 years get on her feet. She's got her college degree, her master's. Now she's going back to become an attorney and fight for these other girls that have been trafficked and getting them. She's like uh, speaking in front of police officers, training them on how to look for girls that have been trafficked. I mean, it, wow. she's wow. And all of these people at the church through the church had a part mm-hmm. in helping change the world. And, you know, I, I don't even know if the guy that gave the car has any idea right. about what she's doing now. 
but her life has completely changed. And it was, um, it was a combination of different things of people planting seeds and saying, I can help with this. I can help with that. And she's still connected to the church and now she's serving and giving back and helping in whatever way she can. I mean, that's what that's, that is church, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just beautiful. And so, you know, and stay connected and not isolate, but like be a part of a spiritual family. Yeah. So, so great. I was curious, like if, how does someone get involved? Like if, you know, you want to start this group in your church, like how does that, where does one begin? Well, for sure, going to our website, embracegrace.com and fill out, start a group. So the way we do our materials, it's not, you can't buy them off the shelf. It's more of, uh, we have to have a pastor sign an agreement form, which when you fill out the information, it gets sent to you. It's super easy. Like the agreement form is something that you would think every pastor would say yes to. It's like, I'll be the spiritual covering and authority of this group. I approve this, you know, woman to lead this group. And it's just so we're all on the same page. And then once we have that, you get, end up on our website with all the contact information for the church, you know, but it's a way to protect the girls, number one, and to make sure that your pastor is on the same page. Cause we actually still do hear horror stories of how pastors or administration of a church treat these women with unplanned pregnancies. And it's just appalling. And so we just have to agree on the basics, you know, that this is, this is about loving people. It's not about condoning sin or rewarding bad behavior. You know, we hear that so many times. This is, I mean, read the prodigal son part of prodigal son story. I mean, they didn't, throw a party because they were rewarding his sin. They were throwing a party because they were so glad that he was home. Mm -hmm. And that's what grace and mercy is. And I feel like the baby showers are one big giant prodigal party, you know, and it's just beautiful. But some pastors don't get that. So we have an agreement form. There's no membership fees. There's no anything like that. It's only a form just so we know, like we're all on the same page on this and you're going to be on our website and you're going to be listed. And we have to be the kindness and God's and God's love and to these women and help them and not just leave them when they need the most um, encouragement and hope. Thank you for sharing all of that and just your input and perspective. What about moms who do you guys see very much through the process of moms who choose to give their child up for adoption? And if so, is the support the same type that you offer to the ones who choose to keep their child? Yeah. So if you go through Embrace Grace, all of our copy wording in our book and digital curriculum is whether you choose to place your baby for adoption or whether you choose to parent. So it's very much for both of them. But the difference is, is the girls that choose to parent get a baby shower and the girls that choose to place their baby for adoption get something called a celebration of life shower. And we usually do that after they have their baby, just because sometimes they change your mind at the last minute and that, which is totally fine. They can change your mind as many times as they want, you know, up until they have the baby. Right. But once they have the baby, we wait a few weeks until she's feeling like physically healthy. And we do a celebration of life party. I mean, people come from all over. I have seen people get so into it. It's so awesome. But we've had one girl who was in hair school when she got pregnant. She was about to graduate. And when you graduate, you have to then buy all the hair tools. And hair tools are super expensive. And so at this party, all these people like put their money together, bought her all her hair tools that she needed for when she was going to graduate. Plus on top of that, it's like clothes, you you know, she, it's a new season. You want to burn your maternity clothes and have a fresh start. 
We do prophetic words of encouragement. We love on her. I mean, it is, there's not a dry eye in the room. The fact that she would sacrifice her body for nine months Mm -hmm. to save her baby's life is one of the most amazing things that someone can do, knowing that you can have an abortion, you can have access to an abortion. You have that option, but yet you still choose to bless a family that has prayed their entire life for a baby. Like it's just beautiful. And then just even loving on her. I mean, it, it's a, it's a real grief. It's, there's nothing easy about this process. Mm -hmm. It is extremely hard. There's nothing that can be sugarcoated about it. I mean, it is extremely hard and she's grieving the loss as if she, a death, you know, like she has, there was a baby she was carrying inside of her feeling kicking and moving and, and now it's not there. And so walking alongside her after that and giving her the support and we connect her to, to, we, we still continue. They leave such a, uh, an effect on our own hearts. I mean, I still talk to girls that placed her baby like eight or 10 years ago. Cause I'm just so connected to the heart with them. I just am so blown away by their sacrifice and the beauty of what they did. But there's some amazing organizations out there like Abiding Love Adoptions, which is so awesome. And they're doing birth mom support groups. Press Plus Brave Love is a really great organization that connects to birth mom support groups and really highlights how amazing birth moms are. And it's really hard when you're a birth mom to find other moms that are birth moms. Like, yeah. think about it. How many birth moms do you know? Like maybe one or two, but and but mostly a lot of people say zero because it's just people don't talk about it. But so for her to be able to connect with another birth mom is so huge for her. And then another one is um, birth mom bridges and they do retreats, free retreats for birth moms and whether they just place their baby for adoption or they placed 20 years ago. And so it's cool to see all the different ages and come together and uh, encourage each other for a fun weekend of fellowship and community. And there's just awesome. The thing is, is there's so many amazing organizations out there. I just wish that got that there was just a highlight on every single yeah. one of all these people that are boots on the ground that are like, I'm in this with you. Like, and that's kind of what we want to do with the book, Help or Be Brave. There's over 300 ideas to get involved in the movement. Plus our podcast show, Help or Be Brave, where we are interviewing every single week, a different organization or person that are boots on the ground and that are making a difference with, by helping a woman be brave in a creative way. And so if you're like, they're listening and you're like, this is amazing, but I just don't really even know where to start or what to do. Uh, check out helperbebrave.com. There's even a quiz on there that you can take and it'll kind of give you some ideas of where to get started in the movement. Wow. That is such good information. Um, I was going to ask you where people should reach out, but you answered yeah. that. So thank you. And sure. listeners, if, if you didn't catch something, go to embracegrace.com and there's tons of resources there. If you feel led to get involved on the volunteer side, or if you know anybody in your life that could benefit from Embrace Grace, please pass along this information. And Amy, we just thank you so much. And we would want to ask you if you have one quick challenge for us and our listeners that we can challenge ourselves. It can be as big as small. And then um, we would love to ask you to close us in prayer. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, we're right now we're working on a helper be brave challenge. And so 
what is one thing that you can do to help a mom be brave? You think about a single mom in your community, maybe help her take the trash out, babysit her kid one night so that she can just have a break or study for school or whatever, or um, bringing food to a single and pregnant mom that, or that just had a baby. There's just whatever it is that you have in your heart. And love so that. let that be a challenge. We've got to be the change. And so that'll give you ideas on how to do that. And I would love to close you guys out in prayer. Thank you. God, thank you so much for everyone that's listening today. And I know it wasn't my accident that they came across this podcast and that they listened to this specific episode. And so I just pray that you continue to stir the hearts of every listener to want to, um, to not disqualify themselves, but to want to get involved in the movement and whatever that might look like, God, and to highlight, oh God, we just ask you to highlight resources and gifts, strengths, talents inside their heart, God, give them that holy discontent that you place into our hearts, that thing that makes us pound our fist on the table and say, someone has to do something about this, God. And you, a lot of times that's because you put that in our heart. And so help us follow the lead and to be obedient and to not overcomplicate because we think we have to figure out what step 10, 20, 30, or 40 is when really we just need to know what step one is. And you lead the way, God. So we just pray for courage and bravery as we follow your voice. And we just thank you that you love us so much and that um, you allow us to serve you in this way by loving on people through the love that you put inside of us, God. And so we just thank you for all of these amazing sisters today that they're using their voice in to help save lives through their podcast. That's a perfect example of um, a way that someone's using this, the platform and influence in, in things that they that you put inside of them to help women be brave. So we thank you so much for them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank, thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank, thank you for you. taking time with us today. And listeners, thank you for tuning in another week. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another week of Girl I Slept in My Makeup. If you like us, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us, go to our website, girlisleptinmymakeup.com, where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And yeah, make it a great week. God bless.